Today is our last week in our series, Fresh Kicks. Next week, we start Christmas. Um, and today, we are, we've been talking about our core values. And this is a core value that's the only one that has a negative word in there. You know, negative words are like, never, um, don't. Most of them are all, we do this thing. Jesus is our message. Um, this one, though, has a negative word in there. And the reason is because I, I wanted it to really make sure that it stood out, that we understand that if we don't listen to this, there's some negative things that can happen. And it's an important one for us to all, as a church, really take to heart. And it's this, we don't do life alone. We don't do life alone. We, we just, we can't. As Christ followers, we cannot do life alone. We weren't created to do that. Um, you know, as we even just honored Jace, he brought a, a multitude of wise counsel. I've been praying for him. He's like, I can't do this alone. So we don't do life alone is the core value that we're going to talk about today. And I thought, if we have a message like this, let's get around the table and let's not do it alone. Let's talk about this with each other. So I've asked some of my friends up here, my wife included, to, can we chat about this stuff? So I'm going to let her kind of help lead this thing. Yeah. All right. So first we'll introduce ourselves so you know who we are. My name is Melanie. I get to serve on the team here. I'm also married to this guy. Who are you? My name is Mark. Yes. I get to serve here. My name is Alfonso and I get to, <coughs> my name is Alex and I get to serve here too. My name is Lee and I also get to serve on the team here. Uh, you said Alfonso and the first person I thought of was what's, what's the, the guy that does the AFV, Alfonso Ribeiro, Ribeiro. and he's Carlton. And yeah. I was like, are you going to do the Carlton dance now? I can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I've invited these guys um, up here, the three of us, and, and including Jace. So Lee is on our um, sermon prep team. So we'll give, what we do is we gather every Monday, and we talk about how was last week's message, and then we look forward and we dissect the Bible, and we look at what Scripture says. And she's always got these amazing insights. And I said, guess what, Lee? Today, you get to be up on stage. And she said, I don't think so. I said, too bad. I'm the boss. Um, <laughs> so she's up here with us today. She's got some great things to share. And we're excited to just talk about what it looks like to do community with each other. All right. I know each of you has a verse and kind of a point from that verse that you wanted to share. So why don't we start with you, Mark? Um, so I like to, whenever I get a team together or a group together, I almost will always give them the same message because I think we forget anything we hear. Um, you know, I've preached for a long time. And I know most of the stuff that I preached last week, I'll forget the next week. That's why I always end with the same message. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. I'm like, if you remember anything, remember that. Um, but there's one message I always speak when I gather with teaching small groups or teams, and it's the message of unity. This is the message of unity. And so Psalm 133, 1 says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Being united is so important. Jesus, before he's going to the cross, he's praying and he prays for the future church. He's praying for us. And the prayer he prays is, God, make them one. So he's praying for unity. And I, I believe, man, if a church could just be unified, it would be explosive because people would see something that they're not seeing in our world. Our world is not unified around most of anything. You get segments of people that get excited about stuff, but there's no unity around one common cause. And so here's what I want us to understand, though. Unity is this. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. So uniformity means everybody acts the same, walks the same, believes the same, is exactly the same. That's not what unity is. Unity is not uniformity. 
Unity is the strength of varied strengths. It means you've got a strength that's different than mine. I've got a weakness in that area. You've got a strength in that area. But together, we're stronger. But this only works if we're committed to the call of Christ. Because I may have a friend that is committed to the call of Christ, and they have a different political stance than I have. But I'm not going to, like, we might have a good, strong discussion about that, but I'm not going to condemn them, convict them. We're not going to be divided on our call to Christ. So unity doesn't mean we're all exactly the same. It means we're under the same calling to love people, to provide hope, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to call people to repentance, to living different. And that only can come if we understand Jesus is the leader. So we say along, Jesus is Lord. When he's Lord, we can be unified around that one thing. So I'm not asking everybody to be like communists and all live exactly the same. That's not what we're doing. We're just called to live in unity with each other, harmony with each other. All right, you're up, Alex. All right, there's a scripture in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, and it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were able to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach. And the big thing I want to get out of this scripture is small groups are important to us because small groups are important to Jesus. Now, that's his word I want to focus on real quick, and it's a company. They were to accompany him, accompany, company, to be his company, to do life with him. And you realize that, so they did life with Jesus, so these became his small group members. So this is a small group now. Don't you realize every time, you know, if you're reading the Bible, you see every time Jesus had a significant moment, his small group was in, with his disciples were with him, his small group. When Jesus was crying at the funeral of his friend, his small group was with him. With, was with him. When Jesus did miracles, his small group was with him. When this last meal before his death was with his small group, and one of the, the transfiguration of Jesus, his small group was with him. And then you get the hardest time in Jesus' humanity was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, his small group was with him. So he did life with people. Jesus valued doing life with people. But then he goes on and, and says, and he would send them out to preach. So not only did they do life together, but they did ministry and serve together. Now our small group should be just like this. Hey, we're doing life together. We, we spend the time together. We, all these big significant events in our life and hardships, we do with people that we live this in our small group. But we also go through the Bible, build a relationship with Christ together, and then go share that and serve our community and share Jesus with other people. And so that's what Jesus modeled. It's just like the small group here. There's a small group here with Amy and Kevin's small group. They're always, so just a week ago, one of the people in the small group had a definite family, and they was at the funeral. They was with her doing this whole process and things, as well as uh, they start, they serve together. So every time we have a big event that requires us to have extra help, that small group is helping. They are serving. On Saturday, they one of the small groups that's doing all the stuff and serving everywhere and doing ministry together, doing life together. Now, there was a time, like last week, we was cleaning toilets, and they small group didn't show up. So we need to talk about that. You can put decorations up and won't clean the toilet. Where they at? Hey. They're probably serving somewhere. Actually, they probably are. Yeah. So Jesus cared about small groups. Yes. That's right. Okay, Lee, will you share yours? So I'm going to go to Proverbs 18.1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Where are my introverts in the room? I'm an introvert. And, oh, a couple of you even raise your hands. I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, I'm wired to be an introvert. So for me, a lot of times relationships feel like a whole lot of work. And isolation feels like it'd be something very, very easy. 
but we all have a view of the world through a filter. And we have a crayon that's coloring our filter. And our crayon is colored by our emotions and by our experiences and our circumstances. And when I isolate myself, mine is the only crayon that's coloring my filter. So it looks kind of like this. It's very one note. But when I invite people into my life, if I invite Melanie in and Alex and Pastor Mark, suddenly my filter starts to look a little bit more like this. It's vibrant and colorful and full of different perspectives. When all we have is our perspective, we'll always have a selfish vision of the world around us. And relationships are hard and they're messy and they're full of chaos, but they're important because they give us a perspective that we can't get on our own. Yeah, and here's what I love about that. So just go with me on the analogy. Let's say God gives us a color book. And in the coloring book, there's a cow. Now, if I'm like Lee and she's blue, and you don't bring other people along, or the other crayons, the other people along, everything on your page is going to be blue. You're going to be walking, trying to make cows blue. <laughs> Sometimes we try to force things in our life that God has not intended for us to do by ourselves. And he's saying, bring along the other people, the other colors, the other complementing things so that your life can look vibrant in the way it's supposed to instead of you trying to force yourself onto everything. Yeah. And some of those colors, they clash. Like, I don't know, you gave me orange and red. I think, do orange and red clash? I don't know. I'm not good They clash to me. Do they? Orange and orange. I'm not wearing clash. an orange and red outfit next week. I'm just saying. Yeah, because they clash. But some people clash with you guys. They just are. Yeah, orange, orange and red, they're going to clash. But that doesn't mean that you just reject that person. It means you figure out, okay, how can I bring this person alongside and maybe it's bringing someone else with them and together we can complement each other to move forward in a good direction. All right. All right. We have three points that we wanted to talk to talk about today when we're talking about small groups. So, Pastor Mark, why don't you go ahead with our first one? Um, so, I'll just give all three. You guys can write them down. I think they'll be on the screen at the end. But I'll give all three, and then we'll jump through some scriptures and these these three things that we shouldn't be doing on our own. We shouldn't be struggling alone. Should not be struggling alone. We shouldn't be serving alone, and we shouldn't be confessing alone. So, we're going to talk about those three things. And the first one is. We shouldn't be struggling alone. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I told you all that story, of, I don't know, I said it a couple months ago when I fell down running and I like my watch was yelling at me saying, are you dead? <laughs> You've had a fall. <laughs> You've had a fall. And my dummy self decided to crawl the way back up the hill instead of just reaching out for somebody to help. And sometimes we're struggling with things. And Scripture tells us, not just in Ecclesiastes, but all throughout there, like, ask for help when you're struggling. When you're going through a hardship, it's time to ask for help. It's not just to go through it on your own. Because when you go through struggles on your own, that is a scary place to be. It's a hard place to feel. Alex, you were going to tell us about your time in Houston when you were alone. Yeah, so uh, if you don't know this, before I moved to Paducah, I stayed in Houston, Texas. I was working at a church there. And I was fairly new. I went there by myself, so I, you know I ain't have no family. Uh, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Praise God. And <laughs> can I tell a story this time too? What you about to say, man? Hold on. What? So he just said I have no kids. <laughs> what? What you about to say? So he, Alex, you know, just uh, he at first came here and he joined with us, and he was just you know a part of volunteering and hanging out in the lobby. 
And Alex has always had this running joke with my kids, and I think they actually believed him Come for on, a, a, don't a, be telling a, 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 a brief like half it's a second. It's the truth, y'all. Don't. He told him he had a, a son. Alex Jr. Alex Jr. He real, y'all. No, he ain't. He real. He at the house with his mama now. No. And so Alex is making that joke out in the lobby when people don't know him very well. Uh-huh. And I think he had Joe Kimmel believing that he Joe Kimmel think I'm married with five kids right now, y'all. Is Joe here? <laughs> no. All right, keep that right. lie. I'm still married with five kids. No. Anyway, so, yes, you don't have kids. Go on with your Houston story. Sorry, I had to interrupt. The Houston, Houston story. So, <laughs> got distracted. Um, yeah, so I was in Houston. Didn't have no family, no friends. And it was real tough when things got hard. And the crazy, I worked at a church, but he, uh, they didn't want me to call them. Like, if <laughs> in the middle of the night, if something had to happen, I had nobody to talk to and nobody to call on to help me. And so doing life by myself, doing life by yourself is extremely hard. You've been in the middle of nowhere. I'm 10 hours away from family and friends and people that know me and don't really have a community. So it was extremely hard just to do life alone. So now that's a real struggle. Yeah. So if you feel... There's this, if you feel like you couldn't call somebody at one in the morning, mm-hmm. that's not a good place to be at. And I don't just mean a spouse. If you've got a spouse, great. But if something happened to your spouse, you're like, who would I call? Most of us would immediately try to, we'd go to family. And that's good. You should have some good families. But do you have a friend that you would be able to call? You know, I, I, we lived in Florida at one point in life, and it was one of the hardest seasons that we were in. And we were there, and the reason it was so hard is because we didn't have anybody in our community. And we tried. We just couldn't connect and click. And we're working at a church leading a large ministry. And I remember my wife saying, if something happened to you at night, I don't know who I would call. And that's a scary place to be at. And so we've done our best to always stay just in community. When, we, when my dad died, it was 2 o'clock in the morning, I think, is when my mom started calling. And I immediately knew I could call a couple people. And I want all of us to be in a spot where we have that, I can call that type of person. And that takes time. It takes building relationship. But it's a scary place to be in if you're struggling with something and you just feel like, I don't know who to call. I don't know who to go to. I'm going through this hardship. I'm going through this hardship with my marriage. I'm going through this difficulty with maybe I'm struggling with a, a sickness or an illness and I have nobody to go to. That's, that's a scary place and a hard place to be. Yeah, and it wasn't, I mean, we were on staff with people, so you'd think that maybe you would have those relationships, and I just didn't feel like I could call them. And I think the hardest part for me at that point, we lived in a community, and we, some of the people we were on staff with were our neighbors. Like, they literally lived just a few streets away, and I still felt like I couldn't call them. But God is so good because uh, at the next place that we were at, the couple across the street from us went to our church. They were a, a great couple. And there was another one next door. And so um, when we had to <laughs> walk the girls across the street, because I went into a la- labor with Elijah, Mark literally walked our children across the street and could have walked to them next door had that person not been available. So it's so, so good to see that God can bring redemption and healing when you go through a really hard season. Then you just, we ask, that's what we ask for. Like, we need some people in our lives. We're really far from family. We need some people in our lives. Lee, you want to share your story? Yeah, so this isn't my story. I heard it years ago on TV. I wish I had written it, but um, guy's walking down the street, and he falls into a hole, and a doctor walks by, and he yells up, doctor, I've fallen in this hole and can't get out. Can you help me out? Doctor writes out a prescription, throws it in the hole, walks on by. A little while later, a priest walks by. Father, I've fallen in a hole. Can you help me out? Priest writes out a prayer, throws it in the hole, and walks by. Finally, a friend comes by. Joe, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? Friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, what did you do that for? Now we're both down here. 
Friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor. Modern medicine is a miracle in and of itself and certainly prayer lays our path. But a lot of times the thing you're praying for is that friend that's been down in the hole with you and can lead you out. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. All right, let's go on to our next point is we shouldn't be serving alone. We shouldn't be serving alone. First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. So each of you, it says this, God has given you all some kind of a talent, gift, a strength. And it doesn't say that you have that to serve yourself. It says use that to serve one another. So scripture is saying God has placed, if you don't feel like you have any kind of value or worth, first off you do, because God's given you some kind of a something. And then it says the reason for that is not so you can get rich. It's not so just that you can have it for yourself. It's to help serve other people. So we are created by God with gifts to impact the lives of other people, to serve other people, to be a part of other people's lives, to helping them out. Um, And what we sometimes do is we do these things all by ourselves. And we try to just figure it out myself. And especially now, like we got YouTube that just gives us bad advice. Good you know, advice? Yeah, I think I, could, I think I could be a plumber now because I got YouTube. I learned piano on YouTube. You, Alex said, I learned piano on YouTube. Alex, is, Alex has got a gift of music. He learned the bass overnight. Like that, that, that's not, you didn't learn it from YouTube. It doesn't count. Yes. But, so I've done life with Alex for a while. You can let him tell on himself. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start the story. I'm gonna pick on you for a second. Man, you are, it's just a pick on Alex show. No, Go it's ahead. not the pick on Alex show. But I, I started with Alex when he was a volunteer in ministry, and Alex was not serving with others. No. What were you doing, Alex? I was doing everybody's job. <laughs> for free. Jesus. I better get yeah. in heaven for that. He he was doing everybody's job. <laughs> Yeah, that was, so I had started, (laughs) this is dumb. I had started serving with the worship team for one of the campuses. And so I was like the worship, the volunteer worship leader. And so I I oversaw like the worship and production, whatever like that. So there, I was like the worship leader, the music director, uh, helping with production, and then I was running track. So I was supposed to be leading the song. I got a piano in front of me. I got a microphone right here that's supposed to be directing the band. So I'm supposed to talk to the band in this microphone. I got a microphone right here that I'm supposed to be singing into. I got a microphone right here to be telling the production team what to do. And then I had an iPad right here that would control the songs. And so I'm playing too. You were set up to fail. I was, yes. I remember you came one Sunday, you were just like, stop, this is dumb. And so You have two hands and one voice. Legit. So I was playing piano, singing, leading, and then I'd be like, Go to the chorus and then be like, hey, put the lyrics on the screen. And then you have to push this button and stuff like that. And so one time it was like a Sunday when I was like, I, I spoke into the wrong mic. And I was real loud too. So it was like, uh, what, what? Hope has a name. And I was like, go to the chorus, go to the chorus, go to the chorus. <laughs> and so everybody here, I was supposed to speak to the band and they hearing this. And so, like, okay, fine, we'll sing, whatever. <laughs> Stop yelling at us. <laughs> By the way, sometimes what we hear in our ears, fun fact. <laughs> But for free, <laughs> yeah, I remember watching, he was, he was setting something up and he was doing all this stuff by himself and he was getting like <laughs> and huffy and all this stuff. And he was just an intern at the church. I remember telling him, 
You don't have to do this. Well, you you didn't say that. You were just like I did too. I said quit doing this. Yeah, and then he was like, "This is stupid." Yes, I, yeah. I used a word that I try not to use, but I use it more than I want to. I said, "This is stupid, Alex," <laughs> and knock it off. But sometimes what we do is we try to just do everything by ourselves. Mm-hmm. We try to do it by ourselves, and then what we end up what ends up happening a lot of times is we get frustrated because we feel like nobody's helping us. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. You've never asked for help a lot of times. Sometimes we've never asked for help. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that I guarantee you come to this church and they serve faithfully. They're caring for your kids. They're opening doors. They're doing all the things. And I've heard sometimes them getting real frustrated saying, nobody else in this church serves. They just sit on their behinds, Mm -hmm. which there is a little bit of truth to some of that. But then I always ask, who have you asked? Who have you asked? Mm -hmm. Because some of y'all just need somebody to ask you. Let me encourage you, if you serve on a team, ask somebody else, hey, can you serve with me? Because we need to ask other people for help. My wife, I'm picking on you now. She's notorious for like, I can do it all by myself. I watched a video on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was just tell her, stop it. Like, ask somebody for help. You know, I've got a, we recently, you know, a couple months ago, moved into the house that we're currently in. And when we first moved in, it's a, older house and it had popcorn ceilings everywhere and so before we moved into the house you know it's a fairly it's got a lot of space there's a lot of ceiling in this house (laughs) I thought let's just scrape all the popcorn ceiling down we great idea we watched some YouTube videos (laughs) and we thought we can do this we broke the house (laughs) I remember one night she called and she goes we broke the house and I was like what well, when you scrape off the ceiling, you, you, some things get exposed that that stuff was hiding. So we scraped all the stuff off, and then our now stuff. Now Well, then our stuff got here, and people came, and they were unloading it and helping us move in. And they were helping us move in, and I was in a different area of the house, and I was looking at the ceiling thinking, okay, what is this mess? I'm going to putty it. I'll figure it out. And Michael Jenkins, who goes to our church, he walks over, and he sees me staring at the ceiling. And he goes, what are you doing? And I had at that moment a choice. I can admit, I need help. Or I could tell him, I'm fine. I got, it. I got it figured out. Go away. And I thought to myself, don't be a dummy. And I'm always willing to ask for help. And I said, man, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, let me go home and change. And I'm going to come back and help you Some out. Tools. And Michael Jenkins saved the day. And our ceiling now looks way better because he came and he helped. But. It had to take some humility to be able to say, hey, I need some help. Mm -hmm. And that's what some of us really need to pray for is, God, give me some humility Mm -hmm. to ask. And others of us need to say, God, give me the eyes to see the need Mm -hmm. so that I can step up. Because you've got to have both ends. You've got to have a Michael Jenkins that says, I'll do whatever you need. And you've got to have me who's like, help me, please. Maggie's not in here this service, but I praised her a little bit last service because when I first started coming around here, there was a week when I saw her doing a million things. And I, I remember going to Maggie and said, what are you doing? And she goes, well, I have to do all this. I said, you're doing it all by yourself. You need to ask somebody to help you. Well, who would I ask? I'm like, you got friends. <laughs> ask them. And if you've been over in the kids area today, it's all decked out. They're doing a Candyland thing. And there may have been a time when she would have tried to do that by herself. Mm-hmm. But last week, I saw a whole group of people here. And they were having fun. They were cutting up. They were enjoying each other's company. And they were serving each other. 
There's free pizza, yes. <laughs> Little Caesars pizza is, I don't know if that counts as free. Little Caesars pizza is five bucks. That's you, basically free. You're going to pay for it later on in the toilet. Like, hey, it's five dollars. So I'll take it. <laughs> but the, the reality is, we should be serving with other people. We should not be doing it on our own. Yeah, and sometimes all you need is one person to do it with you. I know that's true for me. If I'm doing a project and maybe I'm getting a little angry because nobody's helping me and then you try to help and then I might yell at you, I'm working on that one. But I just need somebody else, like, even in the room, like, come chat with me while I do this thing. But when we just get around other people, we can see, hey, I can do that I can do that thing with you, or I know how, or I have an idea where I can do it better. It just takes one other person, and then other people come around, and you start just creating a community and doing things together, and you get it done faster, too, most of the time. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have another point. It is, we shouldn't be confessing alone. Yeah, so confession is kind of a, a big word that a lot of us avoid, and it's kind of a bummer that when there was a the Protestant movement that pushed away from, you know, Catholicism, that... Some of the liturgical stuff that the, the Catholic Church has is actually healthy. And the way they do it may not be the, the way that I see in Scripture it being done. But the act of confession is actually a healthy biblical thing that we should all be modeling. And so James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. A lot of times we're hiding things. We're struggling with a sin. Mm-hmm. We're going through something that maybe we did in the past. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks a lot about confession. And this verse says that thing that you're feeling, that weight that's like, Ugh, I don't know what to do with this. If we confess it, we'll start down a path of some kind of a healing. But it takes us speaking it out loud. And it takes speaking it out loud to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Not just going to your mirror. And saying, hey, here's what I'm struggling with, Mirror. That may be a starting point, but you need to find somebody else to tell what you're going through. Because if you've ever had a moment of confession when you are willingly on your own are able to say something to someone, man, there's just a sense of relief. It's a hard thing to do. But there's just this God thing that it's like, okay, I'm putting this out here. And I can't deal with this anymore. I'm struggling with this. And there's this act of confession that, that will begin the process of healing. You want to tell us about the group that you have with your friends? Oh, yeah. So there, <clears throat> I have some friends, and this started, our friendship started when we was in a small group together a couple years ago. And so now they, we all moved away. I'm in Paducah now. You got one in Iowa and another one in Ohio. And so first, the one in Iowa came to me. He called me one day. He was like, hey, this is what I'm battling right now. This is what I'm going through. He had to confess some things to me. And I had to be open to that, receptive to that, and like, prayerful with that too. And so he confessed something to me that was like, hey, I'm going through this. This is what I'm battling and struggling with. And right after that, my other friend in Ohio called me and had something just as similar um, that he was going through and he wanted some help to get through that. And so what I did was I was like, all right, so we go meet. Let's talk once a week. Let's go through this book that I felt like it was something that helped me when I was, you know, battling with something, um, something similar. And we'll go through this book together. We'll go pray and everything. And we'll just go talk every week and go through this together. Let's walk through this process of healing, this process of uh, restoration together. And both of them, they are, these are guys that are married. Like the one in Ohio is married with a one-year-old and a baby on the way. And the other one is married in Ohio. So this is a, these are things that's 
like hurting their marriage and their families. And so that's the commitment we made after confessing. They confessed. It was like, hey, this one I'm going through and being honest with themselves that we were able to walk through this restorative process to not let that keep going. And the confession happened between two people mm-hmm. or two or three people mm-hmm. in your case. But you pointed your friends back to God. Yeah. So we can't have healing unless we are pointing back to the one that can heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do we do when people come to us and confess? Yeah, so there's two sides of a confession. There's some of y'all, you need to be the one that releases that burden. But sometimes we're the person that has to hear that thing. Because we're called to be on both ends of that. Because it says you confess your sins to one another, which means sometimes you're the person that's getting the sin confessed to. And that can be a really hard place to be. You know, doing ministry, I've had lots of people tell me some stuff. And there's been times when my face, I'm like, oh, Oh, man, I don't know what to do with that. Um, and you've got to just, you've got to be a good receptor of people's confessions. And here's some ways that you can do that. Listen, mm-hmm. pray, don't gossip. Mm-hmm. So if somebody tells you something that they're struggling with, that is not your cue to go say, well, I need to go tell somebody else because I don't know how to deal with this. Mm-hmm. No. Even if that somebody else knows, if you're like, Somebody tells you something, and you know Bob has gone through something similar. They didn't tell Bob, they told you. Here's what you do. You listen to them well, and if you want to tell Bob, you ask for their permission to go tell somebody else. It's not an opportunity to go gossip. It's an opportunity for you to be attentive, to ask God, God, what words would you want me to point them and direct them to, and include God in there and to pray over it. There's something I've had to learn along the way. Sometimes people will confess something to you, that you don't know what to do with at the moment. Especially sometimes when it's a family member and they tell you something and maybe they're really struggling and they want to get better at this thing and they come to you and they say, I'm going through blank. I'm struggling with this addiction. I've cheated on my spouse. I mean, I've, I've, I've got a lot of things that I've heard. And there's, if there's a personal connection, sometimes when people make a confession, you don't know what to do with it at that moment. And your initial reaction, because we're humans, may be anger, it may be trying to just say something tr- trite that you've heard. We're really good at Hobby Lobby theology of, oh, I saw this, and we just blurt it out. Let me give you a piece of advice. Sometimes the right move to do is say, man, thank you for telling me this. Mm-hmm. That is a, that, that's a big move for you to, to say this to me. And I'm sure it took you a lot of time and a lot of thought to say that. And I need a little bit of space to have that same time to give me a little bit of thought to how to respond. Because I love you, and right now I don't think I have a great response. So sometimes we need to ask for a little bit of space when somebody confesses things to us. You have to ask for a little bit of space. I've had parents where their child comes to them and says, hey, I think, you know, I think I'm struggling with some sexual identity issues. And the parent freaks out. Rightly so, because they're like, I don't have to do with this. And I always tell them, that child had to come to a space where they felt comfortable with telling you this. Don't break that confidence and that comfortable, and just don't. But tell them, hey, I need a little, bit of, a little bit of space. And then pray and ask God, God, you give me the words, you show me in scripture, and you give me the way to love them no matter what they're going through. So we've got to be able to confess, but we've also got to be good, attentive re- receivers of confessions. Um, because that's, that's discipleship. That's caring for each other. I love that Alex said, my friends are struggling with a thing. And it's the first point you laid, the person that was in the hole. Alex like, I've been in that hole before. 
Let me help you get out of it. Scripture tells us to make disciples. That's discipleship. It's one another sharpening each other. Iron sharpens iron. You can look through Scripture, and there's so many verses about community that, I mean, it's just overwhelming how many times God says, do not do this by yourself. Do not do this by yourself. Gather around people. You know, there's the old verse in, I think it's Matthew, I don't know, Matthew 3-ish or something. It says, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there I am in the midst. And it's, sometimes we misquote that to, to make it a thing about prayer, and that's not really what it's about. It's about dealing with conflict and confession, basically. And what God is saying is, when you go through those things with each other and you make agreements with each other, I'm looking down and saying, that's what I want, unity and caring for each other. So that's why it's important. Don't do life alone. As we kind of wrap up, um, next week, we're going to have, it's going to be a great Sunday. I want you guys, if you haven't invited anyone in a while, invite someone next week. Kids are having a color blast. They're doing red and green. It's going to be, a, they're going to have so much fun. We have a special green guest that's going to be here to take pictures with family. Um, we're going to, you know, it's just going to be one of those, one of those type of Christmassy Sundays that's just extra special. But then that evening at five o'clock, I'm inviting everybody who wants to come and says, I need to get connected with somebody. If you lead a small group, if you lead a serve team, if you maybe have already involved in one, or you're just looking to, I need to meet, I need to know somebody else's name. Be here at five o'clock and we're going to just share what we think community can look like. I want to share about that money that you guys have raised for our marriages, about how we're going to use it and some things we're going to do with it. And we're going to try to help you to find some groundwork so that you can get connected. Next year, I've already prayed and asked God, God, what do you want, what do you want our big focus to be next year as a church? Where do, you want us, where do you see us going? And our big word and our big focus next year is going to be about relationships. Because I think a church that has strong relationships is a church that's strong. A church where marriages are healthy, a church where friendships are being built, a church where people aren't lonely, a church where people are serving together, that's a strong and a healthy church. And that starts with you guys just starting to surround yourself with other people. So I'd encourage you, be here next Sunday at 5 and come just hang with us. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh because there's no point in getting around a table with people if you're not going to have fun with each other. And as a church, here's what we do a real good job of. Look to your left and right. So it's really easy to look to the left and the right when you're sitting in rows. And as a church, we do a real good job of sitting in rows. We don't do as good of a job of sitting around circles. That's why I love being able to once in a while get up here just in a circle and chat. Because this is what a group should look like, just hanging with people. And to not just do life in rows, but to do life in circles. Jesus came, not so that we could sit and look this way but that we could look outward and look at each other. He showed us the ultimate example of what it looked like to love, to serve, to sacrifice. He gave his life to forgive us of our sins, to make a way for us to be reconciled in relationship with God the Father. Let's take that seriously and make unity our call and our cause.